Thanks, guys, for helping us with worship and uh, leading us tonight. Um, I wanted to uh, thank all of you that um, helped out at our um, backpack giveaway. It's so cool to be able to have some of these conversations with people that were there and they know us from previous events. And so really great that we are building that relationship with our community. We give, this is all just giving God an opportunity to do what he does, right? So thank you so much for serving. Uh, that shirt is yours to keep. Don't bring it back to me. That's yours to keep. Thank you for that. Um, and then a reminder next week, uh, we're not having service here. Uh, we are all going to be supporting the local uh, community event happening at Evelyn Shipwood Park. I know that's even more different for, for you, but I felt like when they asked us for help that we should respond in some way. And so it's an evening event, and so I thought, well, let's be, a, be, be together and just in a different venue. And so uh, this is a, a Hispanic celebration focusing on that culture, and so we will be ce um, celebrating with them and serving with them. Uh, if you haven't signed up yet, please let me know. I can help you get signed up. There's an online way to get signed up from the park district, and that's what they're asking for. Um, and if you haven't done that, um, let me know. If you want to be there, at least I can give her your name so that they'll have a T-shirt for you kind of thing, okay? So remember, that's there. I know that for those of us that have kids, it's like, well, how can we both serve? Totally get it. Um, and so what we want to do is if you're unable to serve, which I totally get, uh, just be there with your family and buy a hot dog or whatever it is and, and just be there to be a part of the community. Um, that'll be really great for you to support that. The other thing to think about is they support our events, right? I mean, we go out there, we help people, expect people to come and do all these things. Well, let's support a local event as well, okay? So please remember that next Sunday, okay? Well, I know that that 90 seconds of silence may, be, um, may have been awkward for some of you, maybe not uh, for others, um, but I think it's so important to remember because in those quiet times that you have that are just still, it's really when you can maybe hear from God. Um, but I've also in those moments just heard maybe some errors in my life that have been just a blind, uh, a blind spot for me that just kind of had that aha moment of, man, I may need to ask forgiveness to somebody, you know, or maybe there's something else going on. And even like trying to figure out paying attention to not just the bad things, but good things too. Where do you find delight? Where do you find joy? And to pay attention to that. I'll give you an example of that is, as I've kind of done this over my life, you know, I uh, realized that um, I find delight in wrestling my older two kids. That's this part of my, I just love it, you know. And I've actually, over the course of months now, added that to my Sabbath that I do every week. I try to take a Sabbath and you can still take a Sabbath if you're around your family and stuff, but uh, it doesn't just have to be quiet and all the way away from everybody. But I realize that that brings me great delight and joy, and I have zero worries in my mind when I'm wrestling my kids. So it's like I have added that to my Sabbath, and I learned that through just paying attention to the, what delights me in life, too. And so this is the purpose of the rhythm of having some stillness and quiet um, in your life. And I, it's so hard to find now. Even nowadays when we're quiet or alone, we put on you know, music kind of thing. That's part of what happens. I'm not knocking that. I'm just saying that it's sometimes we, you know, jump to a podcast or something to keep it, for us to be listening to, but sometimes that silence can be pretty loud. It can be pretty powerful. All right. Well, over these next few weeks, um, I'm going to talk about knowing God and um, titling this God's identity, this idea of like, okay, who God is, like, who is he, right? And how can we kind of get to know that? And certainly, uh, there are a lot of ways to kind of know God, and there's a lot of different answers for that. 
But my point in doing this is trying to get you committed to that journey of lifelong knowing God. At each stage in my life, if you asked me that question, I'd probably give you a different answer. Uh, before knowing God, I'd, I know in following Jesus, I'd give you a certain answer. When I came to know him in my early faith, when I was in high school, I'd probably give you a certain answer. And after I'd gone through some suffering times, I'd give you some answers, <laughs> you know. Um, and then now, and then being a parent and all these things. So I, I feel like this is really important as a follower of Christ to be constantly intentional about knowing God. This is something you learn and put aside, right? You're constantly active, intentional on knowing God. And so for me, um, I know that a common answer is, well, we read scripture and that's how you know God. And that's definitely a part of it. But here's something that happened to me when I was in seminary doing some of my studies. As I began to read church history and in my church history classes, I loved reading that stuff. I loved learning about that. But I quickly realized, it's like, wait a second. It's like people's view of God changes over time. Even the early church history, like, they get different understanding maybe or different voices that help that. It's like this constant changing thing, you know. Um, and it's like even when going, learning through, marking through church history and for the early church, they didn't have the Bible as we know it. So isn't that fascinating to anybody else? That it's like here we are and we say, well, you got to know everything in the Bible and this is how you know God. But it's like even before the Bible was put together as you and I know it now, they were still seeking and knowing God. That kind of blows my mind. It would have been a lot better if, like, the Bible was first. You know what I mean? Like, the Bible as it is right now was first. Got that down. And then, and then we just go through this. And it's like, well, that's not how God did it. It's not how it happened. Now, at the same time, they would have loved to have this in the early church, I assure you. You know? They would have loved to have this where they have these stories about God, these truths about God that we believe. We, they have this. And it's like, for us, we do. So we actually have to look at this, I think, and consider this. Now, different Christian uh, denominations or sects believe different things about Scripture and what should be added, what shouldn't be added. And, I, and, and it has, maybe as odd as this sounds, and in a way, I kind of welcome all that because I recognize that uh, God does use different voices to teach us about himself. And this has happened through church history. And so we are a part of history, right? We're a part of church history. And so as we consider to know God, I'm going to, and I ask you for three areas that I want you to kind of delve into. And I hope this kind of becomes part of your life as you begin to know God in a deeper way, okay? Uh, so first, yes, it is scripture. You know, I, I want you to look at scripture. I want you to wrestle with this like I have and others have. Um, to, to look at what we have now as the description and, uh, and about who God is, his traits, his characteristics. Like to, to, to do away with this, I think, would be... Um, how do I say that? Um, it'd be foolish, I think. Because we get to be the beneficiary of like years and years of church history, of people in faith, uh, walking with God, writing these things down. This passes along. This becomes a part of tradition of the church for sure. And to do away with this, we're actually just doing harm to ourselves. Because here is, if you want to know God, here's God's story and his relationship to you. But it's not just knowing the Bible. Uh, there are people that have memorized the Bible that, you know, have counted all the words and this kind of stuff. And, and they know about the Bible, maybe even know about God, but they don't have a real relationship with God. And so there's something lacking in that. And so I think that the gospel message is the ultimate kind of center of church life and should be about your life. And 
uh, scripture is this incredible way to know God better. Um, and so that's definitely part of that scripture. But the second part that I want you to just grab onto your whole life, and you've probably heard me say this before, really your whole life, I want you to grab onto this idea that if you know yourself better, you'll know God better. And that seems counterproductive. Like I think I need to know a lot about God and a little less about me kind of thing. But actually it's this idea that the more you know about yourself, then the more you can bring God to. You can't surrender what you're unaware of. And as you begin to know yourself, like I mentioned earlier, maybe it is some forgiveness things, maybe it's some sin areas, some addictions. As you know these certain traits that aren't according to God's plan or his desire, then you can bring that to God. You can surrender at the cross and invite his healing in your life, whatever it may be. Okay, some, it's not my idea here, okay. A couple, some theologians had said, have said this before. Augustine wrote this in one of his writings. How can you draw close to God when you are far from your own self? So powerful. How can you draw close to God when you don't even know yourself? You don't know all that God sees about you. You don't know the whole pain story yet. You may feel some, but you don't really understand that. You don't know what you're doing to people. You don't know how, what's going on that God's trying to, trying to convince you of. If you just take 90 seconds of quiet, you may know yourself a little bit more. John Calvin said this, our wisdom consists almost entirely of two parts, the knowledge of God and, our, and, of, and of ourselves. But as these are connected together by many ties, it's not easy to determine which of these two proceeds and gives birth to the other. I thought that was so powerful. Because my experience with God is that, my experience with God. And if I shut myself off to learning more about myself, then that's less of God that I can bring to myself. So the earlier part of my following Jesus, I did not believe this to be true. I actually never heard it at that point. But if you had asked me this back in high school, I wouldn't, or even college, I would have told you, what are you talking about? But as I began to get into this, I began to realize that when I went through the fire, some ugly came out that I had no clue about that was always there. Let me say that again, okay. When I went through the fire, some adversity times, some frustrating things, some ugly came out of me, right? And I didn't know that it was there, but it had been there. And in that situation, it comes out and waha, oh my goodness, I just learned about myself. I'd struggled through pride through college and had nobody ever say that about me. I was one of, one of the most humble guys on campus. Can somebody give me a word for that? That would work really well with that, right? One of the most humble guys on campus and then I faced some adversity and some, some pride came out that I was totally clueless of. And I couldn't handle the things that God had taken away that I had attached my self-worth to. And in that moment, oh my goodness, I'm falling apart here. And in that denial and denial and denial, it's the grace of God that began to show me me that I could bring to the cross. So part of that process was recognizing that I need to start paying attention to me. I need to start paying attention when my feathers are ruffled. I need to start paying attention to what comes out when I'm squeezed because that was always in there. I got to pay attention to the words I say and how I hurt people with my words. I may not have intended to do it, but it happened. And so I've got to own that and consider that. So I began to be on this journey. And this started when I was 22, 21, 22. And started believing this, that I really want to know me. 
Like, I want to know me. What's in there? God, I want to surrender my whole life to you. Your love is so incredible, so great. You've done so many great things for me. Here am I, Lord. And not begin a journey of knowing myself so that I can surrender to him and let him have all of me. Uh, the cross of Jesus, I want you to give a picture of him being on the cross right now, is an example. It is a physical example of the life that God desires for you. One that is fully surrendered at every level. Okay? Think of Jesus on the cross. I know we immediately go towards how, what he did for me and how he saved me through that. Yes. But that example is the complete picture of a life fully surrendered to God at every level. Physically, emotionally, relationally. People betrayed him and backstabbed him, right? They were there for him, right? He's dealing with, with the, uh, the, the labels of society, the mockery that happens. And it's all submitted, what? To the will of God. Because before he got on the cross, he says, let this cup pass from me, Father. But whatever you will, let it be done. These last few weeks we've been praying this prayer, Lord, let your will be done. You know, I don't want anything more, nothing less, and nothing else. The cross is the example of that. So I want to encourage you, if this has not been part of your journey following Jesus, it absolutely needs to be a part of your journey following him. Because I want you to know I studied scripture so well in college and so hungry for God's word when I became a Christian and you know, deep stuff learning in seminary, and I, but it wasn't enough. It needed, I needed to begin to learn myself to bring all that to Jesus, okay? All right, well, let's look at, over these next few weeks, just some general things about how you can answer who God is, okay? These are things probably not gonna be new for you, but the third area we're gonna do is I'm gonna ask you to just consider how the, who God is could uh, matter to your life right now, but also how it, who he is, like, He's introducing himself to you through your life, okay? So stick with me here. Um, we're gonna start with uh, this one. He is the creator, right? Sounds good, right? Start with the beginning. That he is our creator and that he created everything, right? And we read in Genesis chapter one, verses one through two, in the beginning God created the heavens and the earth. And the earth was formless and empty. Darkness was over the surface of the deep and the spirit of God was hovering over the waters. And what did God say? God said, let there be be light, right? So let's just think about this, right? We can study scripture and we learn this. Uh, the uh, aspect of God, this, this part of him, of who he is, being creator is all through scripture. He's kind of the origin, the start, right? We recognize as we read through uh, one and two and three that we read that God creates, you know, animals. He creates man, he creates all this stuff. Don't get caught up in how many days it took him. Uh, you know, the point is that he did it. That's the point, okay? So don't argue with me about this or that. I, that stuff isn't important to me. Um, what's important is that you get this idea that he did it. So he created everything physical. He created everything spiritual, right? He created everything in the supernatural. He created all this stuff, right? Life, animals, plants, everybody, earth, heaven, everything, right? So he created it all, okay? Secondly, he created a relationship with mankind, we have to remember that when he created his creation, he also, right in that moment, there's a relationship, there's a relating that was created. There was a connection that was created. Like that. We're going to talk about the Trinity in a few weeks. Interesting that here we have this idea of the Trinity 
uh, God the Father, Holy Spirit, and, and His Son, Jesus, we have a relationship, boom, right there, right? We have a connection happening with these persons, and it's weird. I get it. It's very weird. Okay. But then we have this relational being create a relationship with you. Powerful. Okay. Um, and then we recognize that he created something out of a design. There's a design here. I never struggled with the idea that if God, if evolution is true or not. You know, I remember I loved science um, in high school. And after I came to faith, I just never, I never felt like I needed to throw that out, you know. It, it just always seemed like to me that even if you look at evolution and you study science and biology, I was that kid going to science competitions. I was, okay. As you study this stuff, you will always find a design. And you always will come back to, how did this thing start? And the best answer we have is there was a big bang, right? That's what happened, okay? Even that. How do you start this thing? So I never got caught up in evolution. I never argued against that or for it or whatever. That didn't matter to me. What mattered to me is even if you, as you study it, you find out there's a designer. Uh, this is kind of an argument for Christianity that kind of like this watchmaker idea. If you, somebody's never seen a watch, you take a watch, you take this thing apart. You know, we don't even wear watches anymore, I guess. But you take this thing apart and you're like, man, this is amazing. Uh, who, who designed this thing? This is a fingerprint of someone. That's why there's a fingerprint there. Isn't that creative? Thank you. There's a fingerprint somewhere. There's a design. Now, this design is rooted in his righteousness, his goodness, his love. We'll talk about that later. God called it good. His design for man being physical, being spirit, being emotional. How did they feel, right, in these moments of sin? What happened, right? They should have had delight, just enough walking with God, right? Designed for the world and its purpose, right? So as a creator, we see him, see him as the creator, and it reflects his power and his ability, and how big, awesome he is separately. Okay, you guys get all that stuff. So I think you're kind of grab that. Okay? But now let's talk about you for a second. Now, if you didn't have scripture, okay, if you didn't have this, if you were in the early church and you didn't have the New Testament, if you were in uh, uh, the time of the Old Testament was writing, being written, didn't have it. You read through Genesis and that story wasn't written down until many years later. Right? So then what? What then? It's this idea that if you uncover, you take a look at. Can you switch that for me, um, Derek? If you look at the uncover piece that you are the created. It's not switching for you. Oh, there it is. Okay. So like if you didn't have scripture and if you didn't know a lot about the Bible. And so I'm going to let you off the hook here. You don't need to know a lot about the Bible, okay, to be a good Christian or whatever, right? If you've got this piece of taking a look at yourself and knowing yourself, it'll be a launching pad for your relationship with God. It'll be a launching pad for what God is trying to do in your life this very moment. Regardless of what he's done in the past, he wants to do something right now in your life. If you've ever been out in nature, I know we all have, you guys all Oregon, everybody loves nature and this kind of thing. I'm from Texas, we don't really do that. You go to the Gulf of Mexico and it's dirty and you're like, this is ugly, you know, <laughs> right? But when you're in nature, you don't feel big. When you step on that ant, you do, but you do not feel big when you're in nature. You're smaller, right? You're not as powerful. 
I know there was some thunder this week, and it's a big deal for Oregonians to hear thunder. I know. It's like this big deal, right? Let's, let's all go home. There's a thunderstorm. You know, I got a warning on my next door app. There's a thunderstorm. Well, what's a thunderstorm? Growing up in Houston, thunderstorms are like all the time. And so we would do is we'd have the garage open, you know, and we're sitting, me and brother would be sitting in the, in the garage, and it's like, crazy out right now. Mom would never want us to do it. We did it. Crazy, torrential pour rain. is like crazy rain. We're just sitting in the garage watching this and we were just awed at this. And this is before I was a Christian. I was a kid. So amazed at this power that we're seeing. It was so cool to experience that. When you start considering the nature around you and if you don't feel this way, you gotta, you've been out of nature too long, I would say. You haven't been close enough to the hurricane. You haven't been close enough to the top of the mountain, right? You got to get out and feel this, right? And get out of your cubicle kind of thing, okay? You get this. Um, secondly, this purpose part that um, throughout history, we, uh, human history, we always ask, ask the why question. Why, right? At some point, you don't have to be told to ask, why am I here? We all ask that point, okay? This is a part of um, who we are. Um, it's part of our design. So as you mature from a child to a young adult to an adult to a senior adult, whatever it may be, at some point your awareness grows about the design of you in your life. Well, why am I this way? Why is it this way? Who am I? That's why everybody switches their major in college like 50 times. You're trying to figure out who I am. Oh, I guess I'm not that smart. Let me get out of that major, right? Oh, no, I don't fit into school. Fine, let me quit school. You see what I'm saying? It's a part of who am I, right? And then... This last way that I've learned in the later part of my following Jesus is, to, is limits. Like I was raised, you, you never say you quit. I never quit. I mean, you push and push and push and push. And what's glorified is your blood, sweat, and tears, but you keep going. You do not ever quit. Now I'm like, I'm ready to quit like yesterday. Because I realized that part of my pushing against that was a denial of what is true. I will never be an NBA basketball player, to your surprise, I know. We'll never do these, some of these grand things that we think about. And as I've embraced some of those things, I began to realize that in my moment of knowing myself that, yep, that's it. Don't shoot the three-pointer. That's it. That's it. Right there, I walk into my authentic self and know who I really am. And it causes me to seek to a greater God. When you're in the moment of emotional pain and you can't fix it, that limit is the moment when you can experience an unlimited God. That moment of knowing that this was too much for me. I was taught there's nothing too much for you. Then I found some too much for me and I didn't have any answers and it put me on this journey for some help. Limits actually, if you'll pay attention to them, are about you knowing yourself, where your limit is, and you'll realize, oh my goodness, I'm not as big as I thought. I'm smaller than the mountain. I need a great God, okay? Your limit in life can be that which happened to you through your life that's been shaped you, the evil, the mistakes of others that have shaped you, that becomes a limit. No, I can't be with you right now. That's a limit. I'm not Superman. I can't do this. And acknowledging that, being honest with yourself is, is, is this moment in which you can truly let God in the door. I worry that as humans, as busy people, that we skip this part and so then we can't see God better. We can't find a savior because of this, okay? Example of this also is, you know, I, I'm not a hiker or a climber in any way. I like hearing the story. I don't like telling that story, being doing it myself. So I would see these, like, people tell these stories or pictures of 
uh, guys, that, women, men that have climbed incredible mountains and stuff like this. And I'm like, that is amazing. I would never do that. And they're like celebrating. They're doing selfies. It's all this cool stuff. And it's like all this stuff. And then without realizing how like, and I, this is not knocking it anyway. I just want to show you the, 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 the contrast. That they're on top of a freaking huge mountain and they're talking about themselves. Anybody see the irony in that? I mean, it's an incredible feat. Man, you're, you're talking about climbing a mountain, but that mountain has been there way before you've been born. That mountain is so great, it doesn't need to do nothing, and it's great. And you have to do something to be great. This is what we do, but if we'll stop for a second and pay attention to ourselves, you can know God better. Okay? And here's this last piece. Psalm 139, verses 13 and 14 says, For you are created, for you, this is David writing, for you created my inmost being. You knit me together in my mother's room. Let's just stop right there. Man, I want to know my inmost being. That's a part of me. I want to know it. You knit me together. How did you not knit me together, God? You put me together here in my mom's womb. Before anybody else could shape me, you did. Verse 14, I praise you because I'm fearfully and wonderfully made. Your works are wonderful. I know that full well. Here's the point, church, I'm trying to get you to. So we're going to dive into scripture. And you ever, if you want to get coffee with me, I would love to talk to you about some of the theology of creation. And on down the thing as we go through some of these things. I will talk to you about Trinity until you're blue in the face kind of thing. Okay, I'll, I can go through all these theology things with you. But I have, as your pastor and as a shepherd, I have got to get you to pay attention to you. And I've got you, got to convince you that God's all up in this. And whether, how much you know scripture or not, or you feel inept or insecure by your theology, whatever it may be, that you are fearfully and wonderfully made, so you should turn to him. You may have skipped reading your Bible this week. That's all right. Turn to him in this moment. The point is, if you are on top of that mountain, you realize, oh my goodness, I could fall and be dead. Death is a limit to us. Pain is a limit to us. When I teach my kids, I'll say, did that hurt? What'd you learn? And the first thing they tell me is not to do that. They don't even say it was fun. That's later. The first thing is not to do that. <laughs> That's the limit, right? And so in these limits of life that are awful, I hate it that it's true that things are, are too much for us, whether it's a physical ailment, whether it's an emotional pain, a mental thing, whether it's a relational thing. You can't control the world. I hate that I can't control the world. I hate that I can't control the world that my kids are in. Turn to him. I can look to him for understanding in a time of confusion, which is basically every day. I can turn to him when I'm overwhelmed by pain, since he's the creator. And because I am fearfully and wonderfully made because he's the origin. He's got the design. He knows it all. He's greater than me and I can turn to him. And in that moment, 90 seconds of silence this morning or this evening to start service, I turn to him. I turn to him. I turn to him. So you can turn to him for wisdom when you don't know what to do or it doesn't make sense, right? I want, you know, I'll give you an example of this. You know, part of this is you began to look towards him to seek to know him as part of your life, okay? The whole world may reject you, but you got one friend. One friend. Can I insert a diamond business joke here? Just kidding, okay. You got one friend. I'm alone and rejected. I got one friend that knows me. I've got one friend, okay? So I lean to him the most. 
You were never um, designed to lean or rely on anybody on this earth more than him. Not a spouse, not a parent, not a child, not a friend, not a boss who pays, signs your paycheck. Right? It's to lean and to turn towards him and rely on him. I was created. We were created for a relationship with him. So I want to seek to know him and let him know me, which means opening the door and saying, oh, God, here it is. This is what I found about me. Okay. The last thing here is this, that you actually are on a mission to discover God's design. Like, I want to know what the plan is, God. Okay. Looks like I can't, I'm overwhelmed in this and I can't deal. What's your plan here? What's the design? What did you want here? Okay. That you have to grasp that in your life right now, God is still creating. The nature of God is creator. That wasn't a one and done deal. It's who he is. So God is creating right now. Let me say that again. This isn't something from the past you get. God's creating right now because it's in his nature. And oftentimes we don't even consider the creation power of God in our lives right now. Because most of you, when I said, started the sermon with God as creator, we all went to Genesis, right? Instead of considering that, what is God creating right now in my life? He's not creating a mountain, right? What is he creating? Uh, the idea of God creating isn't a rebrand. It's not a renovation. It's new. God created, the, the term is ex nihilio, created out of nothing. He's the only one that can create from out of nothing. We all create out, out of something, right? And he makes new the idea in the New Testament is us becoming a new creation. The creative power of God is not done. It's active right now. And I want to invite you to consider that and to seek what God is creating right now. Let me give you an example of this. As far as leading in and discovering God's design as part of like recovering the way your life's supposed to be and awareness. You know, as a parent... Um, you know, I have to acknowledge that God created and designed my kids. Like that's premiere now. You know, I, I'll be honest with you. It's parenting, part of parenting is me turning away from my design and my plan for my kids. This is totally being vulnerable here. Listen, I want my kids to be rich. I don't want them to be poor. Absolutely true. I don't want them to be poor. I want them to be, have money. I want them to have options. I want them to have power, right? I want them to be in the position that, that, that uh, all these people that have money maybe empower me. Listen, I want my kid to not be bullied. As a dad, as a protective father, that's what I want. I want them to be highly educated. My wife is, I, I have a master's degree. I really believe in education. Listen, my design for my kids is to be highly educated. I want them to live in America, I'll be honest with you. We heard last week from a group going to Turkey. I don't want them to go to Turkey. I want my kids to live in America as close as possible to me, preferably. <laughs> We'd have a lot more fun. And by we, I mean me. You know what I mean? This is my design for my kids. I want them to act this way because I like it and I value that, right? But as a parent, I've had to come to the cross and say, God, this is my design. But you're the creator. 
you are the creator. How can I recognize who and how you've created my kids and what you want them to be and to get out of the way? And then get out of the way of his, uh, being in the way, but rather get involved in saying, I want to influence this way. So those things are going to have to be off the table. I want the best for my kids, right? I want them to have better than me. I want them to even be better at sports than I am. It's not that hard, but I want them to be better at sports than me, right? God, whatever you want. And so, you, God, you're going to send my kids so far away from me, like so far like Gresham or something. God, it's okay, you know? God, if you want, to, if you want my kids to go through a life that I would never pick for them, you're the creator. You're the designer. I want to know this, and, and I and surrender this to you. Go and stand with me, church. I've actually prayed. Um, when Leo was still in the womb, I prayed. Lord, give me insight on your plan for him so that I can do everything in my power to influence him in that way. I've prayed when he was in the womb. I remember praying this. God, I want to take the next hour and sit here in quiet and give you a chance to convict me of all the design that Nels has. I took an hour, not just hour, hours. God, whatever it is, give me insight, Lord. Because you're the creator, not me. How can I be a part of influencing these kids for you? So right now, church, I have a question for you. You know the scripture. I don't have to spend a lot of time on that. Do you know you? Deeper. something you need to surrender? What is God creating right now in your life that has been off the table for you? I don't want to go through suffering. Jesus said he didn't want to get on the cross and he did. What could it be that you're creating in me as I just suffer through this? I tell new parents, you're about to suffer with no sleep, you can be tired, but just remember it's a good thing because God is creating a new you and a new you comes from God. Tell people this when they start a new job and it's going to be frustrating. You're going to feel dumb because you don't know anything and everybody else does. and Nobody's going to help you and you're going to question yourself. Awesome, this is great. What's God creating in you? God could be creating something in that moment that's new. Be okay with it. Put everything on the table. He is the master creator in church. This is who God is. Don't you dare forget it as you go through your life. God, I want to know me. I want to know what's causing me to stress, Lord, right now. I want to know what I delight in. Lord, I want to know what gets me excited. I want to know the anger. I want to know the sadness. I want to know what I've hidden. I want to know the insecurities. I want to know how I've hurt people. Lord, this is all yours. And God, I want to take away every single thing I put on everybody else. And it's my design. Show me your design, Lord. What are you creating now, Lord? I want to get out of the way so you could be creator God in 2019 this moment in my life and those around me. You are creator God.